Welcome to the Filet Podcast. This is Troy. And Byers. We have another edition of Late Nights at Blockbuster for you here today. We're going to be discussing the 35th anniversary of Willow. <laughs> you have to say it like that. Like, the, um, like just, a goat every time. Like a goat. Yeah. Because it's the goat. Okay. It's not the goat. Um, no. But, but we're just going to say that. Uh, it's uh, the... Wow. So Xavier, uh, my son, said that we, we don't do enough of the uh, IMDb uh, descriptions um, for what the movie is. Uh, so the IMDb description for this is a young farmer is chosen to undertake a perilous journey in order to protect a special baby from an evil queen. You know, that's pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, extremely it's... reductory, but. Oh yeah. That actually tells you nothing about the movie, except <laughs> there's a baby. An evil there's no queen. magic. Like there's it doesn't no... mention the willows. A little person? I don't right. know. What, what's the proper term, by the way? Yeah, I think it's little person. Okay. And it leaves out the best character from that description, but it is pretty bare bones, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll start it there with, uh, I'm pretty sure that if you clicked on this and you downloaded it, you know exactly what Willow is, and you're not just writing with us on a movie that you have <laughs> no clue uh, what we're talking about. So that was just me throwing a bone to Xavier so he could feel uh, that uh, the feedback that he he gave to the podcast was uh, was incorporated. So there you go, big guy. Um, it's directed by Ron Howard. Um, a lot of people think of George Lucas with this, but he just wrote the screenplay for it. Um, Ron Howard, of course, uh, he of Solo, uh, Da Vinci Code, A Beautiful Mind, Apollo 13 fame. I don't, you had I to bring Solo to, into that? I had to bring Solo into this. I like Solo. Side. Whatever. <laughs> Solo's cool. <laughs> this hat is cool um so so the story behind that is ron howard was looking to do a fantasy film and he was at ilm so industrial light magic um when he was finishing up cocoon um and he was approached by george lucas to direct it um he had previously starred in american graffiti um with lucas uh, as the director and he felt that they had like a good relationship similar to the one that he had with Steven Spielberg. So he was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to share this, this thing with uh, another person that I trust. You get instead me. Of, you get yeah. me. You can do this movie for me. Yeah. So uh, mentioned George Lucas. Uh, we always talk about this. George Lucas, of course, did um, wrote Star Wars, directed Star Wars. Um, you want to take away from him the fact that he did Indiana Jones, but um, he did it. <laughs> he was there, but I'm saying Spielberg. Uh, he got to Scotty Pippen for Indiana Jones. You know what's really difficult, like, is looking at what um, George Lucas actually wrote on IMDb because he literally has like story credits or like character credits for all of the star wars and indiana jones movies and so it's hard to like truly determine like what he actually wrote versus what is based <laughs> like he's on still characters. getting story credits for all yes. the star wars stuff yes yeah based on credits based on credits based on credits and you're just like okay i get it thanks so <laughs> imdb come up with like a new uh uh 
way to uh, determine based on characters by instead of um, writing credits. So, all right, um, let's jump in. Uh, even though I took way too long to get to this, Byers, what do you love about this movie? Um, this movie tastes like childhood right here. Tastes just savor it. It's delicious. So the um, Sandlot like drinks like childhood. It's like a, yeah, a, you said that it was a, a drink of, of nostalgia, but this one's like a taste. It's kind of like yeah. Alice in Wonderland. Drink me, eat me. Yeah, you got to <laughs> chew on this one a little bit. <laughs> Oh, no, this is like it's quintessential like fantasy adventure movie and it's also yeah. a quintessential like clearly 80s movie. Like it yes. nails both of these things at the same time. One is perfectly fine, one has its rough moments. Um I love Kale. I don't know where else to put him either. Like the scariest literally what ass. I have on here. Yep. It's so good. It's he's, yep. he was just like one of the first especially when this came comes out cuz I'm like 7, 8, right? years mm-hmm. old. And so this is like right at that level of like, this is scary, but I still want to watch it like perfectly on that line. Right. Um, he's just awesome. I, like I had the graphic novel of this movie, loved reading that. And there's kale with his skull mask, like on mm-hmm. the front of it and stuff. Um, and of course, right there with the mad Martigan and all the yeah. sword fighting antics is just great. It, it was perfect for like an eight year old kid. It was yeah. just great. Um, especially a sword wielding, uh, eight year old kid. We yes. know how much you love sword. Wielding yeah. Movies. Me and my sword yeah. wielding. I'm all over it. <laughs> um, and I had to throw some love to a Lord Dan- Dan- facial expressions. Like somebody <laughs> in the production did a fantastic job of capturing. Oh, let's, she's making this face. Let's, let's get that. Let's get that. And putting it in the movie at the right place so that it, it made you giggle. It made you smile. Like yeah. she gets it. Because we know the baby was not actually acting. Absolutely not. Like, yeah. This is not the baby actually reacting to what they're doing. Yeah. Whatsoever. So I've got thousands of hours of film, like just like waiting for a kid to like smile. <laughs> and then you just take like a gassy fart, like as like, yep, I'm going to use that as the smile face. Like that's exactly what happened there. So no, those are both of are the only thing that I uh, didn't mention or that you, that you didn't mention um, and we'll get to it a little bit later. Well, not too in depth, but I love the score. It's an unforget. Like when you pop this in, you're just like, oh my goodness, I forgot how much like this, this score is just so ingrained into your brain on like watching the movie, you know, some I'm other gonna scores. I'm going to hum it all week. Yeah. You know, after watching this, yep. it's going to be there for days. Yeah. Um, I put it on while I was doing my notes and was just like, mm-hmm. This is good. You, you know. just feel more epic writing your notes. Yes. Like you. <laughs> it's got like the perfect blend of like high fantasy with like uh with like that uh little bit of like Braveheart type stuff in the background. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh let's move on to uh favorite scene. I think this is the record uh for the the amount of scenes that I've put into consideration. I finally put it down to what my actual favorite scenes are instead of like what we're I not telling you the, the whole movie tonight on yeah. this episode you're, you're getting some actual just we like these scenes and that's it yeah. there's a whole lot of stuff in between we're not going to talk about right because there are of any movie from this era it does suffer a little bit of drags like here and there 
but there's always just a line that gets you to the next thing. I would say yeah. you and I always talk about like how there's, there's no wasted effort or if, like in a lot of, uh, or wasted scenes in a lot of the movies that we've talked about, there's a lot of wasted scenes in these, so much wasted in stuff. This, but there's just, just about the time that you're about to drift off. Um, why am I uh, messing up their names? Uh, Frangine and uh, Rule will just oh. kind of pop out of nowhere and say something funny. And yes. you're just like, great. Yes, that's what I was waiting that's, for. Yeah, the brownies yeah. saved the day like half a dozen yeah. in this movie where you're like <laughs> about to drift off. And then, oh, they brought me back. I'm awake again. I'm paying attention. Okay. Which is good because you know that like Ron Howard uh, was probably aware of that and was like, Oh man, we gotta save this. Like this is dragging out. Let's just like is there a first cut of this that right. has like hardly any brownies? They're like, all right, guys. Gotta, Say something funny. Add something. Yeah. Get the brownies, get the brownies some beer. <laughs> uh all right, why don't you kick us off? Um, well, speaking of those little things, a couple of my scenes, I really like one little thing in the scene, but I I wanted to give it love. So finding Alora for the most part is kind of mm-hmm. boring. Yeah. But I love the way his wife treats him. Like he's yeah. all freaking out. Like he tells the kids like, don't touch it. You don't know where it's been and all that stuff. Yeah. And then she goes down there and you can see him when she walks by, like he's panicked, like, what's she going to do? And of course, by the time he gets there, she's holding it. And he's like, no, put it down, put it back. And she just <laughs> like, he's not even talking. And then he's like calling after the kids, like Mims, anybody <laughs> just like fr- like throw literally throwing his hands up over and over that through that whole scene just yeah completely pointless no one's listening to you he's he's a dad at a um uh at a rescue and he's just like desperate that the dog is not going home with them he's <laughs> like please please no, no. I, I agreed to come look i did not agree to come come take something home yeah yeah that's a good good analogy yeah um what's what's his wife's name uh his wife is kaya 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 that's all i remember about the first scene he just talks he just like shouts his wife's name like a million times before they leave yeah anyway sorry uh just wanted to set set that one up for me um i had i had the i don't like that part as much as like kind of um him like going back to the town and like them like getting ready to set him out on his quest he's like this reluctant he's the reluctant hero right he's just trying to pass it off on anybody else and they're just like no we're gonna have you do it and you're gonna take all these people that hate you with you (laughs) and we're gonna make fun of you and and, oh yeah that's true um uh oh my gosh why am i burgle cut that's a great name um he was he was really like trying to get into like um this isn't quite a star wars name where can i put this oh okay i'll put it in this (laughs) uh so i i had him just about to set on his quest when he goes and talks with um the high aldwin and burgle cut and kind of all the townspeople um and uh who's the fierce warrior um uh oh no they don't give him a name they just say Von Car Warrior. We'll talk to. We'll talk. No, about I think his name is Von Car. Von Car. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we meet Von Car there, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. So. <laughs> uh, the next one after that is uh, meeting Mad Mardigan, the Crossroads. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I love the it's riders coming by in the middle of that scene and stuff too. There's just a lot of little um, Willow's face when he almost gets run over by the horse because he thinks it's going to stop for some reason. Um, <laughs> but just all that, all the little interactions with Mad Margaret, he just, he starts taking over right away. Like you yeah. just know, oh my gosh, this is going to be like a force to be reckoned with the rest of this movie. Mm-hmm. Outcomers just eating it up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everything okay. except the uh, the over frequent use of the word word pack, pack like that right? has not aged well. Yeah. Um, that I didn't understand as a kid. That like, there's some sort of weird insult. I don't know about. And I mean, it's still, it's one of the. Is this a made up Lucas like a cuss yes. words like Star Wars cuss words? This is our or or like pejorative for like um like a small person, you know. Yeah. But still, you're just like stop that, stop that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> in in nineteen eighty eight or whatever, not a big deal. But uh, yeah, twenty twenty three. This this, if I hadn't brought it up here, this would definitely come up in the has it aged well category. That this particular thing has not. Yeah, just a bummer. Like, it ruins a couple lines that I like. Right, and and it's kind of like I don't care if it's a made up like slur. Like you can already tell that it's a slur. Like right yes. off the bat, and you're just like okay he doesn't like it and you know he doesn't like it and you keep doing it over and over everybody again. does it yeah <laughs> yeah uh i had that one as well i i went from that to uh them joining up uh or kind of having the chance encounter in the village right yeah um mad martigan <laughs> is out on the loose and he is <laughs> he is uh wild and uh and crazy uh so him with the brownies um and uh willow meeting back up uh in the village is just hilarious it's a good bridge to kind of the last part of the movie because we spent a lot of time like really getting to uh, that point it's like a good middle a little bit of a okay we mad martigan's escaped they're they're kind of on their way and then they're they're really going to get into some some dense plot here, and so it's just kind of a fun little like aside until they get to that point. So yeah, and there's just all kinds of bonkers stuff in that yeah. scene. <laughs> um, one I had never really paid attention to it, the guys chicken fighting with flails when they walk in. Like <laughs> I, I don't know how I never picked up. Like there's just dudes sitting on each other's shoulders, like waving flails, fighting. Like that's who knocks right. him over. That he tumbles into the room and finds Mad Martigan in drag, trying to hide from Lug, right. um, which is great. This is where where uh, Rule falls in love with the cat during that scene too, because yes. he's smacked in the face with the the dust. Potion. Yeah, it's all it's all or the love stuff. dust. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had that one obviously, and then I have I like the chase that comes right after that. Yes, yeah, because uh, they I get caught. separated those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those definitely feel like two different scenes. But it's just a great action set piece. Like, it's just a lot of fun. It's got that score that we talked about running mm. through the whole time. You know, you're getting to see the Mad Martigan is, like, he's not just a bunch of hot air. Like, he backs yeah. up some of the stuff. It's the first little glimpse of it. Mm-hmm. You get a much better glimpse later when he actually gets a sword. Yeah. Um, and Willow's all impressed then. But this is fun. And it's just impressive from, like, a practical standpoint. Like, yeah. you see, like, a lot of we have some cgi later that is not impressive and yes so yes we do <laughs> a, a very cool like practical set piece in the middle of this is just very uh refreshing uh because this is right around the time that ILM, and of course it's an ilm uh, movie 
And so they're just like, let's just throw some crazy stuff in this. And we'll talk about that a little bit later too. I'm, I'm glad that they just didn't try that with everything that they had uh, in uh, throughout. Um, so speaking of Mad Mardigan uh, getting a sword, all I wrote down was snow fight. And I think that like any little kid that like, uh, if you just say the Willow snow fight, like that is like, uh, legit and where their love of Mad Mardigan comes from uh, because it's just like it's on as soon as he gets that sword and he's going oh, yeah. for it. Yeah. And and I mean you had to try the sword move like where he's throwing it around before he even <laughs> yes. starts fighting. Totally yes. did this. Totally smacked myself <laughs> in the face multiple times I'm sure trying to flip uh. my sword up like this and yeah. So my dad went to um uh, he was in in the Air Force and he went to Spain and came back with like two like large or probably about medium sized swords with like like legit metal uh, for my both my brothers because they were older than me. And like I got like this little um, like uh, thing of tiny swords that almost like you would they were they were like actual swords, but it would be like the size that you would think like would go like if you were putting like olives on it and dropping it into our martini for like the scale of what like so that's what i got i was like of course like maybe five so he was smart to do this but i would always go into their room and grab their sword and like start doing (laughs) like trying to start doing mad martigan moves with it and like of course the first time you drop you're just like all right i'm out of here but like i'm surprised that i didn't like impale myself doing that because i thought that i was mad martigan we all thought we were mad martigan yeah yeah love the snow fight love you know escaping down the mountain on our sled ride and stuff uh, i have the battle of tears lean after that man martigan run around as one man army is mm-hmm. is is fun in that one there's lots of other things that we'll talk about that you already alluded to that are not as fun in that scene <laughs> but i do enjoy matt martigan running around like a crazy person with all his weird little tricks that he somehow magically sets up in like two minutes but we, yeah we'll overlook that part so yeah. And from there, I just go straight to the final battle. Yeah. Like, like it's a, it's a pretty easy, um, we'll talk about some editing and some things that we don't like why <laughs> I go straight to the final battle there. Once there we get reasons. there. Yes. Um, but it, it, it pulls everything together as much as you can in a movie like this. Um, the magic and like Willow showdown and, um, Finn Rizel. So Finn Rizel, um, helping him with that, that battle too. And then of course, um, uh, Sorsha jumping into the middle of it too. Right. Yeah. Well, she runs up there and gets her butt kicked right away by her mom. That's true. Kind of gets, but she's you get mad Mardigan and Kale finally. Like you get yes. the, you get the, yeah. the, the mono mono you've been wanting yeah. for half the movie at this point too. Yeah. Um, I have that too. And then I, I tack on Willow returning home. Purely mm. and simply for the fact of getting to watch uh, the bird poop on Burgocut's face. That's, <laughs> I, that's all I want. I wait around for that moment every time. Nice. Nice. All right. What's your favorite? The snow fight. Yeah. It's hands down. It's the only thing that comes down. close is the chase. Yeah. But the, the snow fight's better because he gets yeah. the sword. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, let's move on to uh, Drax Award. Uh, some of my favorites like like <laughs> this was fun like the i remember a lot of these lines and i think that's why i lo- like I, I look at this movie so fondly 
um from from this time it wasn't like a super successful movie from the the box office that's i got some of that stuff in my notes um but i think most people from our our age group do look on this movie like i've never heard a whole lot of people go i hate willow no i i I get a few people that don't understand the hype willow like they're kind of but it's just like yeah, it's more they don't get the hype. They don't get they don't get why people love this movie, mm-hmm. but they're like, I don't hate it or anything. I just don't get why people love it so much. Yeah, and I think that if you didn't grow up with it, like you probably for you don't forgive as many of the sins that you obviously see when you come back to it when you're older. Yeah, which makes me scared to show it to my kids because I'm going to be like, what did we just watch? <laughs> Why did they turn them into pigs? <laughs> so why don't you uh, why don't you start us off with uh, Drax? Um, I loved Rainin, which is Willow's son. Mm. Um, when he's about to go off, and they start talking about all the scary stuff that's out there, and he goes like like trolls that'll skin you alive and take your face off. such a little kid thing <laughs> and you're just like wow this is a kids movie we, we brought our kids to this yeah. off. i've got uh willow and mad martigan um when uh mad martigan i think it's right when he gets out of the cage what are you doing i found some black root she loves it black root i'm the father of two children and you never ever give a baby black root well, my mother raised us on it. It's good for you. Put hair on your chest, right, Sticks? Her name is not Sticks. She's Alora Dannon, the future empress of Tirasleen, and the last thing she's gonna want is a hairy chest. <laughs> oh, um, when they're about to to leave on their little quest, and the High Aldwin throws the bird, yes. throws the stone that turns into a bird, and flies back <laughs> towards the village, and Burger cuts all off. And he's like. Ignore the bird. Follow the river. Like, <laughs> yeah, because he tells him, go in the direction the bird is flying. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, Willow, uh, back with uh, Mad Martigan up in the, the cage. I'm all over the place with mine. Don't, don't pay attention to uh, where they're at. Uh, <laughs> See this acorn? I'll throw it at you and turn you to a stone. Ooh, I'm really scared. No, don't. There's a, a peck here with an acorn pointed at me. That one too. Um, I love Man Martigan just going off on Eric as he leaves, leaves him in the cage. He's like, "When I get out of here, I'm gonna cut your head off and stick it on a pig pole." Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I asked my mom, "What's a pig pole?" When I what's was a pig pole? Pig. Yeah, <laughs> what's he talking about? Uh, I alluded to this earlier, uh, but Finn Raziel's like. Uh, is the the best of all time because she's a goat in this. Uh, you have to imagine that somebody's a goat saying this. Willow, you idiot! <laughs> <laughs> that is the only way to say his name, as we mentioned Correct. before. Willow, Willow's Willow, and uh, I totally forgot his friend Migosh are walking mm, mm-hmm. after they think after they've given the baby to Mad Martigan. And they're walking away and then rule and the, the, the brownies come flying with they've stolen the baby <laughs> you just hear them i stole a baby i stole a baby 
so that leads me to mine. Don't I know you? I stole the baby from you, Dakini. What are you thinking of, PP? <laughs> I don't know why I turned into uh, Doofenshmirtz there, but uh... <laughs> that sounded kind of spot on. I don't know, like yeah. <laughs> Um, this one, I, the, the subtitles help out with, with quotes occasionally where you, you find some little gems that you never noticed before. There's mm-hmm. the crazy, like tattooed guy in the, like the tavern or whatever mm-hmm. village when he finds Mad Mardigan again and they, they start yelling at Willow to get out. And this one guy leans over and goes, get out of here or we'll cook you. I just like, <laughs> how is this a threat that you're cooking people? It's, right. It's a different kind of go now um uh willow and matt barnigan again um this is why we love that scene so much uh willow says what's that and matt martigan says it smells like a battle i suppose you're a warrior i'm the greatest swordsman that ever lived say um can i have some of that water (laughs) (laughs) it's so like schizophrenic right He really does the, I've been trapped in this cage for way too long. Like really yes. well. Yeah. Really well. Um, another Willow Mad Mardigan one. We, we need your help, Mad Mardigan. My help. Why would you need my help? You're a sorcerer. You're a great <laughs> warrior and a swordsman. And, and, and you're 10 times bigger than I am, stupid. Uh, the rule and Frangine are like sleeping and rule goes rats, big rats. And Frangine goes, what, what? Oh, rule you and that stupid rat dream. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous, but it makes me laugh every time. Yeah. My, my second to last one. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's Frangine. I'm pretty sure it's Frangine, where uh, I can't remember the setup, but he goes, your mother was a lizard. <laughs> we had a lot of these good ones, like for cut downs, like yo mama jokes, like were very much fueled by, uh, She's a lizard. by movies. She's a snowblower. Snowblower. Yeah. All, all <laughs> kinds of good stuff. Mad Mardigan and Sorsha, right? After, after Mad Mardigan's had his moment in the tent where he's professing his love because he gets smacked mm, with the dust mm-hmm. and then they're they're riding along and he's asking if he really said all those things and they're having this back and forth. And he's he finally goes, it, it went away. And so she goes, went away. I dwell in darkness without you. And it went away. <laughs> Mine's right after that. I think where uh mad Martigan goes, what the heck happened up there? You started spouting poetry. I love you. Sosha. I worship you. Sosha. You almost got us killed. I love you, Sorsha. I don't love her. She kicked me in the face. I hate her. Don't I? <laughs> oh, my last one is actually from earlier, but it's Sorsha and Mad Martigan again. Mm-hmm. And she's riding on the horse. What are you staring at? He goes, your leg. I'd like to break it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's like the only serious one that, that I had, but it, it is very much a... Uh, encapsulation of the character um when willow um finally kind of gets his courage and really like um like understands like the power that he can wield with magic and he goes i am willow of good i am a great sorcerer because he tells everybody at the beginning that he is but he's really not but in the end he he's he's made it there so 
All right, what's your favorite? I don't do really you love, love how do you love how my my British accent for uh, Willow just comes and goes whenever it pleases? Like it's, I'm Kevin Costner. Yeah, here's Kevin yeah. Costner. It's okay. It's allowed. Kevin Costner can do it. We can all do it. I don't know. The I stole the baby while you're going PP one was really high. My <laughs> That's my favorite. It is. Um, I, mean, I really love the. It's fun to say Daikini too. Daikini whenever he says Daikini. As well. That's yeah. true. I really love the. The, I, I, you dwell in darkness without me, and it went away. Like sort of just went like that this. <laughs> uh, let's move on to recognize my face. This this has got some good ones, right? Because anytime we hit an eighties movie, we find some good stuff. Because there's always mm. some random people, mm-hmm. um, like Pat Roach, who plays Kale, who's in like tons. He's in Indiana Jones. He's in Conan and Red Sonia. Um, always <laughs> sounds about right. Always yeah. a crowd pleaser, right? Uh, yeah. He's in Robin Hood, so just some just some good hits right there. Uh, Kevin Pollock, who plays Rule, is the dad, and she's all that. Um, <laughs> and the son in Grumpy Old Men. So some 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 heavy hitters there. Some good stuff. Just oh, kidding. Yeah. She's all that. I don't think that counts as a heavy hitter, but it's still fun. But my favorite, uh, Billy Barty, who plays the High Aldwin. He's oh, also yeah. Gwildor and Masters of the Universe. And like, I don't even have to be looking at the screen. I recognize the voice before voice, I recognize yeah. the face. Like, yeah. it's unmistakable. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. So. And mostly because Gwildor has uh, tons of makeup on. But still, yes. it, it is most definitely a recognize my voice. Yeah. So uh, the only other one that uh, I had was Tony Cox. He plays Vonkar, the warrior that they're about to send on the mission. And they decide not to. Right. No, they oh, don't. He... And then when Burgle Cut gets told to be in charge, he, he that scene ends with him going Von Car. Like... Right. <laughs> um, that's uh, Mr. Parker from Friday. So that one is a is a. Oh, I remember that guy. So yeah. So uh, he, here's the here's the unfortunate part oh, <laughs> of a movie that is uh, is 35 years old and was uh, done in the 80s. Um, we've got our who beef section and does it hold up? So, uh, why don't you take us, take us I'm first. I'm going to give it a meh on holding yeah. up. Yeah. Um, like story's still okay. Sort mm-hmm. of like it's yeah. as good as it was then. It hasn't yeah. lessened necessarily. There's parts of it that weren't that great in the eighties uh, mm-hmm. that we'll get to in our other categories here in who beefed, but there's some special effects in this one, man, that are just Ooh, rough, rough. Yeah. Oh, just rough. Like, why? Why'd you go there too? They were mm-hmm. unnecessarily too, in a few ways. Um, and like I said, Peck has not held up well. And I don't know for some reason this time as I'm watching and uh, the High Aldwin rolled the bones. I'm like, those just look completely fake. Like those might as well be Scrabble tiles. Like, why didn't <laughs> nobody was eating chicken wings on the set and you could just steal some bones and throw them on the ground for two seconds? They had to just put these plastic, like perfectly pristine looking things out here. Um, but mostly just the special effects, the little two headed monster, they're not mm-hmm. little, the giant two headed monster. It's just rough, 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 rough. It's called the Ebor, Ebor Sisk. Did you I, know that? I, I saw that doing research. Yes. Yeah. You want to, you want to tell us why? I, um, so according to the press kits and subsequent novels, the two-headed dragon was named, named Ebor Sisk, a reference to movie critics Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. Uh, the word does not occur in the film, but made it into some reviews. 
which makes it hilarious because um, Kale is named after Pauline Kale, who was notorious for giving scathing reviews to popular and acclaimed films and had never given any film George Lucas directed or produced a positive review. And so uh, in a predictably negative review of the film, Kale admitted to being flattered and amused by the homage. Like, <laughs> There is no amount of petty like that George Lucas runs from. He's just like, I'm just going to name all of my villains after <laughs> after critics, after movie critics. <laughs> like, that's like the Pauline Kale one. Like, she hates everything you've ever done. Like, isn't the critic who hates Star Wars, like, hasn't she punished herself at this point? Right. Like, mm -hmm. come on. You don't have to go after her, George Lucas. But <laughs> it's kind of fun that you do because they hated it. Yeah, uh, the movie really like it starts pretty well because it's laying the groundwork. But anytime after like Mad Mardigan shows up, anytime he's not on the screen, it feels like the movie just kind of grinds to a halt or it's just like you're waiting like, hey, when's, when's Mad Mardigan going to show back up? And it's right. like you completely upstage your like. <laughs> your main actor your title character. character like with with like just putting too too much of a uh a charismatic like secondary character in there so he just completely eclipses him in every way yeah and it's a it's a surprisingly long movie for a kid's fantasy movie especially back in the 80s yeah. like i think that they think uh, or you see a lot more of those these days uh, kids, which is funny because you would think that kids have shorter attention spans now, uh, but they're just kind of to the point where they're just like, eh, whatever. There's nothing. There's no research that shows that a kid won't sit in a theater for two hours. We just make good stuff. Uh, but even from for back then, like a two hour movie and, and mostly because you feel some of the burn uh, in some of the <laughs> in some of those long stretches where you're just like, do, do we really need this? So. Speaking of, what's your least favorite scene? Ooh. Oh, well, I have, a, I have a clear winner on least favorite scene. It's the pig scene. Like, yeah. what, what is this? What is... Right. It's just weird. And Super weird. There'll be a few things on plot holes and quibbles. But I mean, one of, you have the power to turn people into pigs. Why not just... You Surely you have the power to kill them then. Like, in the same right. breath. Like, that's, <laughs> just, just wipe them out. Just be done. Why are you turning them into pigs? Yeah. It's just such a weird... It's just weird. And then the response to it is weird, too. It's like, we had a lot of gophers where I live. Let's dig these <laughs> giant holes. <laughs> Big enough for a horse to come out of, because they won't notice that happening. Like, Right. <laughs> nothing makes sense for that whole... Like, I get... All right, we're going back to the castle now. We have to find a way to get them into the castle. But I think mm -hmm. you could have come up with better ways than, hey, let's turn the whole army into pigs. And then Willow changes them back. And we surprised them. Right. Coming out of ground, holes in the ground like gophers. Yeah. It it, it kind of gets really it it moves for me into what I would edit um from the um how would I, I would edit the movie and what I would remove. I would completely take that whole thing out and I would just kind of try to bridge like Tyr Aslin with the final battle and just kind of like it moves from there into the final battle, like a little bit more. I mean, it does make for a long battle scene 
and they were probably trying to like break it up a little bit, but it just doesn't work, you know. Yeah. Or use use Sorsha somehow. Like she's turning, and her turn doesn't make much sense to me either. Like I don't right. feel like they developed Sorsha enough for us to understand yeah. why she would turn on her mom. Yeah. Like I think there's little bits like her mom's horrible to her and is just a really horrible human being. Right. So why would you want to be with Bavmorda anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, even if she is your mom, but like they just don't give us enough to understand why she would turn on her, but. That yeah. Morta doesn't know that necessarily by then. I think you, you, you could have come up with a lot more other ways to get them yeah. in the castle. Other than she really digs Matt Mardigan's uh, yeah. sword skills. Oh, <laughs> man, look at him wielding that sword. She's just staring at him the whole battle. It's so it's awkward. I would yeah. edit that part, too. But. Yeah. yeah. And I have to ask, do we need Finn Rizel and Shalandria? Like, Shalandria does next to nothing. Hey, here's yeah. this wand. Go find Finn Rizel. And then, I don't know, Finn Rizel, for the most part, I feel like there's a lot of wasted time with her. Like, we do get the funny Willow. I mean, like, yeah. there's, 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 there's nice moments, and he needs mm-hmm. someone to right. kind of mentor him on, on this stuff. So I get that, but I don't know. Oh. Feels Fair. like we spent a lot of time, especially if you cut out the pigs that we don't like. Then she yeah. really doesn't do much. <laughs> Uh, what about plot holes and quibbles? What the heck is up with the here's my hair, keep it for good luck thing <laughs> from his wife? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have pictures back journey. then, so it's just like, hey, smell my hair whenever you think of me. <laughs> <laughs> I say this, and yet my wife's family, like we were looking through old boxes, I think it was after grandparents died, and found mm-hmm. this thing with like her great grandmother's hair, like a lot, oh my like goodness, like a whole braid that they had cut off and kept in this box wrapped up in newspaper. So maybe it's just something we, we're just too young to understand. I don't know, but it was weird. Yep. Yep. Has to be like, this is how I will remember you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the midwife at the very beginning is like Usain Bolt. Like she's just booking like, she gets that baby and she's gone. Like they're not even getting close to her and they got dogs. Like they sick the dogs and the dogs are terrible. Like they can't pick up the scent. They can't track her down. Like, like it's, it's almost as if she, and maybe they just did a bad job of editing, but it seemed like she like maybe had like a, a five minute head start on them. And she's just like dusted them by the time they come out of the castle. So, yeah. Yeah. And by the way, why does Sorsha not just take the baby to Bath Mortar right away? <laughs> why do we find the baby and leave it in the prison with mom and the midwife and everybody? Yeah. Let's troop back over to the castle and get Bath Mortar and then come back and look at the baby's arm. Yeah. Movie could be five minutes long. Here's the prophecy. Hey, look, here's the baby. Done. Finished. Over. The, the pride of nobility and rich people. Oh, these people won't run away with this baby. And even if they do, we have dogs. Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh breakout performance or before they were stars oh i got one more oh you did okay i got a couple more okay. plot well plot not, those, okay more just questions about weird stuff in this movie that's what it's for what is up with the crazy dance at the no one festival have you noticed this <laughs> they're, 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 they're dancing with branches at the beginning mm-hmm. and i'm like that's weird and then it goes back and half of them have put sackcloths over their head to dance around and they go back to the branches after the dogs come. 
you you would think that the sackcloth would be for um, the weeping and gnashing of teeth and and when people died, not celebration. Why is it on their head? Like what is this dance where we put a sack over her head? Oh my goodness. Um and then the High Aldwin has this incredible handshake farewell thing. Like when Willow's leaving where he does this weird I I can't even he does all these little weird hand signals to mm. Willow before he leaves after he gives him the acorns and then does this like thing towards him like but at it's crazy i don't understand it's like a bro handshake but willow doesn't do anything back and just stands there staring at him like what are you doing <laughs> and that oh, was it that was it okay. that was it those are my weird questions why are the the no ones are weird that's basically they are both weird those to boil down to for sure for sure he walks without the cuteness and <laughs> That's what people didn't like about it. Yeah, that's what. That's why I didn't get a second movie. Uh, I got. I have nothing for breakout performance before they were stars or iconic moment. What about you? I had to consider Warwick Davis for breakout performance, only because this is the first time we actually see him. Like mm. everything else before this is mostly yeah. he's he's Wicked, which I know. Like right. being in Return of the Jedi way bigger deal than being in willow okay mm-hmm. don't don't get me wrong but we like we didn't know it. i mean we knew it was warwick davis if you could go read the credits but you don't see him and this right. is like oh we're seeing him and like he does he does all the leprechaun movies not that i've ever watched any but he did like six of those things they just kept I'm coming the leprechaun. yeah <laughs> super creepy no thank you um like does all those he's in all the every single star wars movie after Return mm, of the Jedi, mm-hmm. he's in everything. He gets a cameo in everything. He's in all the Harry Potter movies. He's like, he gets to do uh, the Chronicles of Narnia movies. He's he's everywhere. Like Warwick yeah. Davis is everywhere. And I don't know. I could go either way. Do you think, does it not kind of, is, is he just not broken out? He's just Warwick Davis? He's like I a think... weird niche. He's not really star. He's just yeah. a weird niche. But Star. but in the in the terms of like fandom and a lot of all of those things like those are all of our like that's like right in our wheelhouse so like I will absolutely say you are correct so what about before they were stars nothing nothing nada iconic moment nada nada all right uh, let's let's move on to the the good stuff here. Emperor Palpatine, Unlimited Power Over Actor Award. Can we nominate like the whole cast? Um, is that allowed? Because <laughs> it is allowed. I've done everybody. It before. <laughs> everybody pretty much has a moment. Um, yeah. Willow yelling Kaya. Yes. Definitely would be a contender in most movies. Matt Mardigan's like walking the line. He's like getting like right up to the line and like just like, is this it? Is this it? <laughs> like the entire time. It is. Um. I mean, the brownies are, are jump roping with the line because they're just flying past it, but they're supposed yeah, to. Like, they're I still supposed want to see, yeah. but it's okay. It's, <laughs> it's who they're supposed to be. Um, Kale's grunting definitely puts him in contention. Like, half mm, the time he doesn't mm-hmm. have lines. He's just like, rrr, rrr, like Hulk smash over here. Right. Finn Rizel and her awesome, <laughs> I have Cendrillas one battle time. <laughs> <laughs> Laid me. I'm like the subtitles needed to have like 12 letter eyes in the middle of Shalindra's wand, like mm-hmm. take up the whole screen for the way that she said it. It was great. 
But the winner for me is Bav Morta. Yeah. I have two words. Pig snort. Okay, she snorts <laughs> like a pig when she curses them into pigs. That that wins. You snort like a pig, you you're winning it. this award. Yeah. The only people that I even got close to um, was Mark Northover, who uh, plays Burgle Cut. He's just, I don't know if he's just bad. Like... <laughs> He's just doing a lot of things trying to be an actor that maybe that maybe it's just he's bad actor, not an over actor. Um, and then Eric in the death scene. Like, oh, yeah. Like he he dies. He falls down a hill and then he has like the opportunity to have like a 12 minute monologue or a 12 minute dialogue with a mad Mardigan before he dies. Right. I yes. Misremember this. It's okay. ridiculous. It lasts forever. Yeah. I think they're just trying to make up for this though, because yeah. th- this this actor they're trying to reward him. Because I, I I read this that I wasn't gonna save this for later, but we'll bring it up now. Okay. So he played. Let me find it so I get the right name. He was the guy in Die Hard, right? Oh, maybe. But no, the thing is, he played Gavin. It's, no, his real name's Gavin O'Harely. He played Ron Howard's older brother on Happy Days that just disappeared. Like Whoa. they had an older Cunningham brother that just disappears. And it's, it's this weird, I'm not a huge happy days. Like I've watched plenty of happy days. I'm not old right. enough to have like loved happy days. Um, but he just disappears like with no, and they just don't recognize that, that Ron used to, that there was an older Cunningham brother. Like he just, his character just goes away after That's... one season or something. And they just don't wow. speak of him. It's like the, the middle child on family matters that just went away. Right. Right. Like we just erased a sibling and we don't talk about him anymore. Like we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> and then Ron Howard is the director of this movie. So I think Ron Howard is just trying to, to write an injustice. Right. His Happy Days character <laughs> disappeared with absolutely nothing. So it's like, all right, I'm giving him like a 10 minute death scene right here. We're right. going to roll him down the hill. We're going to have this long heart to heart. Because that's what you need to do in the middle of this intense, huge battle where you're completely outnumbered is stop and talk to the guy who's already dying. Right. Who you threatened to cut off his head and put it on a pig pole 30 minutes earlier in the movie, <laughs> by the way, because you're so close. Am I like, I think that he looks like the guy from Die Hard. And that's what I'm thinking of. Like the, uh, the guy who's like the, the access uh, Hollywood type, <laughs> uh, like magazine show guy that's like following it along. So, all right. Um, technical cinematography nerd stuff. I found two fun things. Okay. The the devil dogs that are chasing badly all the time that know know well enough to, you know, rip apart a crib because they're looking for a baby but can't pick up a scent. Those dogs. <laughs> <laughs> they're Rottweilers in rubber masks and suits. Oh my gosh. PETA was definitely not around. Um, right. Filming of Willow. Um, and then Elora is a set of twins. Um, well, and eventually another baby because filming took so long that the babies got too big. Oh my goodness. For some of the props and they had to substitute, but they were too, they were so young that they don't have red hair because this baby magically grows hair faster than any baby ever in right? the world. Yeah. Um, so it's a wig, but they're babies. So they can't put like the normal wig glue and stuff on a baby. So this is the, that would be wrong. Right. So what do they do? They used syrup to hold on the red wig <laughs> to the baby's head. So it was less like <laughs> harmful. Oh my goodness. Crazy. Uh, this was the first feature film to use the morphing process that uh, ILM developed, uh, which 
that uh, that's okay. I mean, it's obviously dated, but it's not as bad as some of the other stuff that we had going on in here. So, uh, favorite song or score moment? I think we just kind of mentioned that we really like the score, um, yeah. and it makes sense. It's a James Horner uh, score, so he's. It's cool. There's kind of those two like distinctive. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like the more serious one for like these dramatic like. It happens when they're like traveling doing the montage and some of those softer moments. And then you have like his like action score that comes over again and again during stuff. Yeah. That's the one that really gets stuck. I found out why it sounds so familiar um, because they frequently used it in theatrical trailers in the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> and so they just used it over and over again for those things. And I'm like, no wonder I know this. Like, obviously, like I watched Will a lot. We had the VHS and, uh, but why it kind of sticks in your head a little bit more because before that, before they started doing the, um, the cover of an old 70s, 70s, 80s, 90s song for every trailer that exists every right now, trailer. every trailer, they would just kind of go, oh, do we have the score ready for this? No, let's use a uh, Braveheart or uh, Willow or like some of these standbys, you know, yeah. let the voiceover guy do the thing too. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever shown your kids like old voiceover trailers? I don't think I've shown my kids any of those. No. And, and and I would love to like see the reaction of like, why are they doing that? Like, why, why did people <laughs> even go to this movie? <laughs> like the original Star Wars trailer. This right. Oh. You're like, this is yeah. awful. Yeah. How did this movie get so popular <laughs> off of this? <laughs> That I think that'll be our homework assignment. Find a good movie that they like and find the trailer and and uh, see what their response is. Like it has to have a, a voiceover guy. So maybe eighties, definitely eighties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spiritual metaphors uh, in uh, sermon illustrations. What do you got? I mean, Willow gives us a great line. Says, "You need a great warrior. I'm a nobody." Right mm-hmm. in that moment mm-hmm. when Elordan is picking him as her you know, protector and guardian and stuff. And it's just, you know, God uses the weak things to shame the strong, the foolish things to shame the wise. Like he doesn't pick, he doesn't see right. things like we see them. You know, you think of David being anointed as King, right. And Samuel's out there. Right. And they keep bringing the oldest and the strongest and the biggest. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, mm-hmm. this one, right. God. Nope. Not that one goes through all of them. And no, nope, then they call in the scrawny little brother. Who's out watching the sheep. It's like yep. this one. Cause God could see his heart. Um, and, and kind of right along with that, like the, the power and the influence that like knowing that we're chosen and called has on us, like the change that makes in people. Cause you see it happen with Willow. Like he's so not confident in himself. Like that's mm-hmm. the whole point through the whole beginning of the movie. Like he should have chosen his own finger, right. To the high old ones thing. And he's just so unsure of himself. And after Lord Dan and picks him, you see this determination coming you see that you see a change start happening where willow's like no like i'm doing this we're right this has to be done she she picked me you know i'm the one that's supposed to do this and take care of her and you know just how that applies to us like being chosen by god you know we are we're chosen people a royal priesthood a people belonging to god and that changes who we are that changes how we see things knowing that who we belong to and knowing that he's picked us that all those things that we think make us a nobody they don't matter anymore because God's chosen us and given us something to do so we can do it. 
Yeah, and kind of going along with that, we always want somebody else to carry those difficult burdens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've got something like God puts it in our path for a reason, and he wants us to to learn from it, to grow from it. And like the first thing that we do, it's kind of like Frodo with the ring. Like um, he's doing that a lot in this too. He's like, here's a baby, Mad Mardigan. Like, do you want this baby? And it's like, no, he's the worst person to take this baby, you know? Hey, soldiers on your way to a battle. You want a baby? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> no, moron. So, so those things, it's like, we need to, we need to think about it, pray about it, understand what what God has put those things in our path for a reason to grow from it and to learn from it uh, to to further his kingdom. So uh, that one that one was just the one that struck a chord for me. So. All right, random thoughts. Warwick Davis was only 17 years old when they filmed this. Crazy, right? So never guess he's that young. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to keep lots of buckets of cold water around to keep the pigs from mating while they were filming the pigs. <laughs> I knew you were going to drop that one on me. <laughs> That's for you. Oh, that was good. Um, I, we hit everything else I had already. Oh, you did? I've got a lot. I hope I don't like make this like overly There was long, a ton on me. I love it. Like there's it a ton so of good. stuff. Um, so like speaking of Ron Howard, this is him in the middle of a an epic run of 80s movies. He's got Splash, Cocoon, Gung-Ho, Parenthood, and Backdraft. So just hit after hit, like just um, except for Gung-Ho. But I have a soft spot in my heart for Gung-Ho. I love, I love Gung-Ho. <laughs> Give me some Michael Keaton uh, making cars with uh, Japanese people any day of the week. It's good stuff. It's not multiplicity, but it's pretty close. Yeah. Uh, so, so Willow had a TV show come out. I still haven't watched it. Uh, Byers didn't really give it a glowing review for me to uh, to take a chance on it. But I, I I always look fondly on this movie, and it's funny how you think about some of the movies that you grew up with and what you thought of them, and then how they were accepted, like uh, as a popular movie or not. But this movie, um, like, it didn't bomb, but it wasn't, like, as successful as they thought it was going to be. So it made about $22 million worldwide um, when all was said and done. And so George Lucas continued the story in books rather than in movie sequels. And so there's some, like, three books, and uh, it's they're written by the famous X-Men writer Chris Claremont, who wrote the uh, God Loves, People Kills Um uh graphic novel that we just mentioned in uh our x2 uh podcast and like they were uh published in 95 96 and 2000 but like people like fans of the movies just hate them uh, (laughs) because they have like a bleak tone quick deaths of like a bunch of people that like were in the film and so lucas is kind of like distanced himself from them um and so he was just like well i was really I was focused on episode one at that point in time, so I didn't really have so, enough time to like deal. Thanks with for that telling stuff. us that Jar Jar Binks took your attention away right. from, from these bad Willow stories. Yeah, so just kind of interesting that they they were like, "Well, we did this wrong the first time. Let's do it twenty years later and see if we can do it again." Yeah, yeah. So, 
Um, various major film studios turned down the chance to distribute and co-finance it with Lucasfilm because they believe the fantasy genre was unsuccessful. Um, and it's kind of, it seems like that's just a little bit of a cop-out because like they have, like they, they mentioned uh, several films, Dragon Slayer from 1981, which I've never heard of, uh, like lost $4 million, Krull, which is the biggest flop uh, of these. It's like minus, uh, or it lost $30 million. Um, so, and then Legend with Tom Cruise lost about $10 million in Labyrinth. I thought Labyrinth was a hit. It lost $12 million. Um, but the exceptions are Beastmaster plus $6 million. That's because it costs like twelve dollars to make. <laughs> it was, it was like it was like five million dollars, and it hey, made let's, like twelve. Let's not get a cool animal. Let's give this dude ferrets and just let him run around with those. <laughs> the other two, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the other one, and then you have to guess the third one. Okay, Excalibur. Did you know this movie with uh, yeah. Patrick Stewart and Liam Neeson? I never watched yeah. it. I know of it. It made yeah, twenty million dollars. Conan uh, the Barbarian, bro. Going in the barbarian made forty eight million dollars. Heck yes, more. Yeah, so like forty four of those are just from like TNT and USA playing <laughs> it for the last forty years at midnight. Oh no, this is box office. This oh, okay. is box office. Just box yeah, office. that's because you got yep. to see Arnold flexing around with like no clothes on half the movie, <laughs> doing playing with the sword, playing with that the thing. sword. <laughs> He's got a whole like five minute scene that's just him like swinging the sword around, standing on top of these rocks for no reason whatsoever, except, hey, let's have him do cool stuff with the sword so all the little kids do it. Like, right. I think that guy that uh, from that Pentecostal um, video that I sent you, like, just watched a lot too much Conan the Barbarian. All you have to do is look in, uh, dude swings a sword during praise and worship, and uh, your, your life will be forever bonkers. changed. Forever changed. <laughs> This guy gets up in the middle of it to go ring a bell and almost dies because he's almost impaled on the sword that this giant guy is swinging. Okay. Sorry. I didn't know that I was going to get that in there. And we can't do it justice trying to describe it. It's not possible. Words cannot express the craziness of that video. Yeah. Uh, a tiny little thing on here. Uh, after meeting on the set of this film, uh, Matt Mardigan and Sorsha got married in real life. They later divorced. So, sad ending. But uh, John Cusack tested for the role of Matt Mardigan. And so, like, testing is way different than auditioning. Like, testing means, like, they, like, filmed you doing it. Yeah. Uh, but he lost out to Val Kilmer. He considers this his biggest disappointment. And I'm like, no, like you would not have made a good Matt Barnigan. Like, no, that, that's yeah. Not at all. Like, we don't need. He, he can do some other act or other action roles, but like this one was just mm. not, not the one. Yeah. Can't see John Cusack pulling off the sword moves. Just yeah. Can't. All right. Because we're Star Wars nerds, I have to talk about the Wilhelm scream. Yes. Do okay. It. Um, we hear it three times, one during the chase scene after the escape from the tavern as the, as the soldier's chariot crashes and he's sent flying. The second one's at Tyr Asling when the brownies trigger the large spear shooter that hits several soldiers. And then the last one's in front of Nakmar Castle as a horseman is cut down by the army of Galadurn. That's a fun word to say. Uh, three seconds after the brownies emerge from under a helmet. So 
like the Wilhelm scream is uh, synonymous with Star Wars, even though lots of people use it. Um, it's everywhere. Like Star Star Wars made it made it famous again, and uh, and it's kind of the um, gosh, what's the line that they always say? I've got a bad feeling about this. Like it's like that and the Wilhelm scream need to kind of get thrown into like everything Star Wars. So yes. Just thought that that was a great carryover into a Lucasfilm movie. So, all right. Last but not least, whose movie is it? It's Val Kilmer's. I mean, we've already, yeah. it's Mad Mardigan's movie. It's all him. I'll, I'll give bonus points to uh, Rule and Frangine, the, the brownies. <laughs> they should be like in his pocket, hanging out right. somewhere on the poster. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, honestly, that, that's probably the biggest miss with the show is there's no Mad Mardigan. Mm. Um, and it, and there's nobody like his slight spoiler, his kids are in it. And so they mm-hmm. talk about Mad Mardigan a lot. Okay. And there's sort of a character that's supposed to, I think kind of fill in like the spirit of Mad Mardigan into this ensemble little cast thing, but it just doesn't work. It just doesn't have the same. They don't, they don't hit it right. It doesn't yeah. feel like there's no Mad Mardigan in this show. So it's worth it. There is. What movie did we talk about uh, recently where we said if like somebody wasn't in it? Oh, we were talking about X2. Oh, yeah. Uh, no with, with Yeah, with no Hugh Jackman. Like, I feel like that, like this movie would have like come and gone and like not had any impact. Oh, yeah. It'd be on that list for of Kilmer. Yeah. Kroll and all that other stuff yeah. we talked about that are all yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. So those guys were right. They just kind of caught lightning in a bottle with Kilmer. So. All right. Well, that's all we've got for uh, Willow. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let us know some of your favorite lines or your favorite parts at uh, our Facebook page at the Phileo Podcast or on our Instagram at Phileo Podcast, all one word, all lowercase, or email us at phileopodcast at gmail.com. Great job, buyers. Good brownies. Good brownies. Good brownies.